We'll turn now into the first letter of John, chapter 5. We'll read the whole chapter. First John 5, the whole chapter. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. There are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and shall give him life. For them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, and 
eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So ends our reading of God's holy, inspired, and fallible word. Beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ, I read some time ago a statement regarding prayer, and it struck me. And it's relevant, really, to all the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. And the statement is this. The death of self is the beginning of true prayer life. The death of self is the beginning of a true prayer life. If you are a praying person, you recognize the truth contained in that profound statement. Because so much of our prayers, at least I find in my own, is really about us, about our needs. And we we can and should lay our needs before the Lord. One of the petitions are about that in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. But most of the petitions and the declarations, if you will, in the Lord's Prayer are directed to Him and bringing ourselves into submission to His glory, His holiness, and His kingdom and His will. It's in particular, I think, to this petition we're considering this morning with God's help that we will see this uh, to be true. Those who, by God's grace, have learned to deny themselves and take up their cross have learned what our Lord himself experienced even as he was in the garden. There, crawling on the ground in his sweat, as it were, drops of blood. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If this could pass from me, the Lord would take it away. But if not... Father, thy will be done. And that's what David could say. I delight to do thy will, O God. He, he was really foreshadowing the greater David who said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. So what is this petition? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven calling from us today as we are taught how to pray. I want to look at that with you. Uh, with God's help from Lord's Day 49 and also from this passage we read in 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, where John says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Then Lord's Day 49, question and answer 124. What is the third petition? Answer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may renounce our own will and without murmuring obey thy will, which is only good, that so every one may attend to and perform the duties of his station and calling as willingly and faithfully 
as the angels do in heaven. Well, I want to approach this Lord's Day in light of both of these elements of praying in God's will as the theme. And we want to consider two thoughts. First of all, there are hindrances, I think, that we find ourselves in as we pray, thy will be done. What are these hindrances and how can they affect us in our prayers? Secondly, I want to especially focus on the assurances we have when we pray in God's will that he hears us and will answer our requests. So praying in God's will, the hindrances and the assurances. I trust that all of us pray. But are our prayers pleasing or displeasing to God? Are we praying according to His will? Do we know? Are we searching for what the will of the Lord is? You know, there are those who pray hypocritically, and that would be like the Pharisee who the parable Jesus told went up to the temple to pray. His heart was not right with God. He uttered words of prayer, but they were all about himself. They were not directed to God's glory. They were not seeking God's will. They were about himself. And there are prayers then that perhaps are parts of our prayers that reflect that of the Pharisee at times. In regard to this petition that's before us, we can be praying words that we really have no intention of doing what we are praying for ourselves. Let me give you a a simple example. If we, we come to church and we're very tired and we pray, Lord, help me to stay awake this morning to listen to the message, but we allow ourselves to drift off and to fall asleep, What was that prayer? Have we done everything within our powers to stay awake and attentive to the means of God's grace that is coming to us? Are we praying in such a way that what we are asking for we're not also pursuing? There are those who are praying for salvation. And they imagine that by just praying this prayer, it's sufficient for having prayed. That's not what God is calling us to do. It'd be much like a farmer who would pray, Lord, bless my crops this year, but he never goes into his his shed and takes out the tractor and plows the field and plants the field. Another prayer that God will not bless is one in which we are dictating to God what he has to do or not do. In other words, we're trying to move God to do our bidding and our will. That's precisely contrary to what this petition is all about. It lacks humility. It lacks reverence. It lacks understanding of what Jesus taught us, our Father, which art in heaven, thy will be done. And when we pray in this manner, Are we really intending to say the things that we say in our petitions? 
And if we're asking for things that are simply what we want, what we're saying is my desire, my will trumps what the Lord is perhaps in his providence leading us into facing or trials that we may need to experience. Another kind of prayer which the Lord will not hear or we could say he will not answer is the the prayer of a, a complainer. How many times, perhaps, in our prayers, it can turn into complaints? Complaints that, rather than confessing our own sin and our own lack of walking in the will of God, they are complaints, perhaps, about others who have offended us, sinned against us. And perhaps that arises from a prayer that is at root, A prayer which is not heard, that is unbelieving prayer. Really, not prayer that is coming to God overwhelmed with some sense of our own sinfulness and crying out to God for salvation, or overwhelmed in some circumstance of life that we turn to Him to answer and to enter in consciously to our sense that He is with us, but an unbelieving, doubting prayer that questions God and his ability to answer what we ask for. That distrusts him and the certainty of who he is and what he's promised to do. That's what the Apostle John is addressing in our text. He wants those who pray to God, the Father, to do so with certainty. Because when we aren't praying with the certainty, we're praying according to his will, that he hears us, we won't have the certainty he's going to answer our requests. But John is saying, we have this confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions we desire of him. John is not saying the confidence that we have, notice, is in our prayers. He says the confidence we have is in him. This is the confidence that we have in him. So when we pray this petition of the Lord's Prayer... We ought not be hindered by not focusing on him who has called us to pray. If we imagine to utter our prayers and to think to tack on at the end of the prayer for Jesus' sake and somehow we are now said the right words, we might even add, if it be your will. But where's our heart as we pray this petition? Where are we in relation to the words we have spoken and laid before the throne of our Father in heaven? You see, prayer is not something we do to get God to be aligned with what we want. Really, prayer is God's means whereby He is Aligning our hearts as we communicate with him in prayer and read his word and understand his will to bring our wills in line with his will. In line with what he has spoken, what he has promised. 
in his word. And so often we are hindered in prayer because our focus is in ourselves. We want to be in control. We want our wills to be done. Now, there are times when we do pray that those prayers aren't answered. And this can be a hindrance for us to continue to pray. But I call to mind Daniel. Children, you remember, no doubt, Daniel, he's in prayer and he's making petitions to the Lord that he would come, he would help. And it seems like the Lord is not hearing or not answering. The petition was heard, you remember, in the throne room of God that Daniel had prayed and an angel was sent. But because the angel was hindered in bringing the answer directly to Daniel, he prays on for 21 days. But Daniel didn't stop because it seemed his prayer was hindered. Don't stop our praying when we don't at first receive an answer. Seek to discern the will of God and continue to press on in prayer Even as the Syrophoenician woman who pressed on in prayer when she came to Jesus and he answered her not a word. She pressed on. Another reason we perhaps do not receive an answer to prayer immediately is because our wills are not yet in line with what, where God would have us to be. We need to be perhaps emptied more of ourself and our own things and to cling more to Christ. And God can use this oppressing need upon us and we cry out to God in prayer, even his will be done. And as we are brought providentially through that circumstance, our wills are being shaped and molded to trust him even in the face of suffering. We need to remember that the one to whom we pray is sovereign He has a timetable under which he is operating. We hope to hear tonight that's always for the good of those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. Think back to the disastrous results of someone who, who tried to fulfill what he knew God's will was, but did it on his own. Abraham. God had promised him a son. He prayed long, no doubt, after the promise had come. Lord, fulfill this promise. Make it true. He waited. The temptations and the pressures grew. And finally, he took to himself his handmaid, Hagar. And you know that those, that result is still evident to this day in the wars that continue on in the Middle East. Another reason our prayers might not be answered is because they they never will be, because they are not according to his will. And this can be very difficult in our lives. Maybe we're praying, for example, someone who is very sick and in the hospital, and, and we're praying that they would get better, that they would not die. Or we're witnessing to someone about uh, the need for 
salvation and conversion and we're, we're praying for them earnestly or that God would send revival and many other things we can petition God for. And in our minds, as we pray over these things for months, maybe, maybe someone has been who you're ministering to on your prayer request for years. And there's still seeming no answer. What is God's will? How long do we keep making these requests? How long do we continue to make requests to God when all the doctors have told us our aged grandfather or father, there's, humanly speaking, no hope he can survive this cancer. I think there comes a point in time where we stop praying for health and recovery and we we start praying for God to take them home if they're his child and If they have never confessed his name, that God would in the last moments work a mighty work of his grace. But we must face the reality of God's providential unfolding of his will. It's not contradictory to praying according to the will of God. But we must be careful to push what we want and what we think ought to happen. And you see, I think many times we are ignorant of the will of God. And part of it is... is, We're unfamiliar with his own words that he has given to us and his own promises. And so we come up with our prayer list of petitions. And we run through that list as we we pray. But we don't face the realities of what God's will might be in these particular situations. Are we open to what the Lord is speaking to us through his word as we pray through these petitions as well. You see, these are very difficult questions, but they are related to our prayer life and how we pray this petition. And some people, when they face these dilemmas, actually don't pray for things at all. This is a difficult question. A minister receives a call. You have the church he's serving in. You have the church that's calling him. And you have the minister. And they're all praying. One prays that he comes. One prays that he stays. The minister prays for light and clarity on what the will of God is. As I trust both churches would do as well. And eventually God's will is made known in the decision that the pastor makes whether to stay or whether to go. We're faced with this dilemma in regard to to the school situation in some respects. What is God's will? How do we pray according to the will of God? How do we submit ourselves to his providence that has been and continues to lead through these difficult circumstances? Rutherford said, I shall not spoil 20 prayers than to not pray at all. And the question might be, when does prayer move from a selfish petition to one that is prayed in faith? Prayed as John is calling us to pray here. 
If we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions we have desired of him. Well, let me give maybe an example. If you've been praying for a spouse or a a child or a parent for years about their salvation, and it just doesn't seem that God is working in this particular person, how long should we continue to pray? I would say to you, we should not be hindered at all from laying this person before the throne of God perseveringly, passionately, until the Lord makes it clear what he is doing. Until he saves this soul. Now, there is, John says here, as you read in the verses that follow, there is a sin unto death. I don't say that you pray for it. But unless God would make that very clear to you, the person you're praying for is absolutely unregenerate, a reprobate, and not in the book of life, which I doubt he is really going to show many people, we ought to continue to persevere in prayer for those who may be around us that are lost. There was the widow Jesus told in his ministry who He says, she persevered on, she pressed on, she prayed always and not losing heart, no matter what the answer was. You see, if the matter is something of a personal nature, something of personal interest, and we pray about it, lay it before the Lord, and the Lord doesn't open the door, We at some point will face the reality this is not God's will. We may talk to others about it. We may open the scriptures, ask the Lord to enlighten us what his will is. And he may open another door. We may pray then, Lord, thy will be done. But it means ultimately that we surrender our wills to his. That's what our catechism is is emphasizing here. Grant that we and all men may renounce our own will and without murmuring obey thy will, which is only good. The more we are in his word, which is the revelation of his will to us, the more we will begin to grasp by the Holy Spirit with our spirit, leading us into what his will is, that we may pray more clearly and certainly so that we with John can say, and this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When we think of the one who never sinned, our Lord himself, Laying this petition, if you will, before his father's throne. There in the garden. Jesus' desire as he walked upon earth, as ours ought to be if we follow him, to delight in and to do the will of God. But even there as he's facing this crucial moment. Father, if this cup could pass from me. But yet not my will, but thine be done. Here is this, not a moment of hesitation, but a moment of being faced with indescribable agony and suffering and separation. 
And yet, when it comes to the question of his father's will that he suffer, Jesus is adamant. Remember when he was telling his disciples that he must go the way of suffering and of the cross. And Peter said, it shall not be to you, Lord. How does our Lord respond? Get thee behind me, Satan. This was something that was an affront to the will of God. And he immediately responds with vehemence. And when we pray these prayers and petitions to God, our hearts need to be conformed to his will. Don't let, if something doesn't happen in your prayers or you're suffering greatly, hinder you from praying to God. He hears our prayers. He knows our hearts. He knows our requests. He knows our needs. He is our Father who is in heaven. But be like the Apostle Paul. He had this thorn in his flesh. We're not told what it was. Grieving him greatly. A lot of pain probably he had in this thorn in the flesh. He tells us, I prayed three times that the thorn could be removed. And it doesn't seem that Paul uses what we often use as the provision here in our prayers If it pleased the Lord, could this thorn be removed? No, he prayed, Lord, remove this thorn. But when the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, what happened to this petition? It's done. It's finished. He did ask again. He submitted himself, my grace is enough. And this brings into view the whole perspective of suffering in connection with praying God's will. You know, we, I hope, if we are those who know the Lord, are praying that we would be changed, that we would be made more holy, sanctified. This is indeed the will of God, Paul says, even our sanctification. But dear friend, do you understand, do I understand what we are asking God to do when we say, sanctify us? Because often the way he uses to sanctify us is suffering. Because as we began, there is much in us selfishness that will need to die for us to be made more holy. And so when we pray this petition, we pray according to his word and according to his promises, know that this may indeed lead to a path where we die, where we suffer, as Paul did with the thorn in the flesh as well. But have we considered that God is working through our suffering to bring about an eternal weight of glory? That suffering will accomplish its perfect work. I think the early church seemed to have understood this better than than we do today. The Apostle Paul, when he was going to Jerusalem in his final journey, had been told 
it seems, by the Holy Spirit for himself. But everywhere he went along the way, they testified there is suffering that waits you in Jerusalem. What does he do? He still perseveres forward in this path that will, he knows lead to suffering. But it will be the opportunity for him to preach the gospel also in Rome. And what, dear friend, child of God, if your suffering the Lord has laid upon you, that he will bring you through this suffering by his grace so that you, being a testimony of his grace and of his mercy, not only makes you more like Jesus, but gives you a mouth to testify to others of how good he is and what he's doing. Peter says to those who are suffering, Wherefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. God, our creator who made all things, is watching over us. Some may be hesitant to pray, Thy will be done in full surrender of what the path then that God is calling me to walk. But, but think of this for a moment. Suppose you, you're an older father and your, your son, teenager, comes to you and he, he says to you, Dad, today I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. Whatever your will is, I'll do it. It's the day the father's been waiting for a long time, but it comes and what do you think the father is going to do? Ah, my day is calm. And he puts out the list. All the worst things the son likes to do. Writes them down for him to do. Would you do that as a father? Would God do that as a father? Who loves his children? There may be difficult things on the list, but a father may come right alongside of those son, that son and help him and work with him. It's exactly what our father does as we pray this petition. He knows the bent of our wills and he's shaping and molding us to his will. Don't let all these hindrances to prayer cause us not to focus on him and to be able to say in earnestness and truth thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we may say that with assurance the apostle john is filled with confidence and certainty in light of the things he's writing and, and in verse 13 he has said these things have i written to you that believe on the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He begins this, this section, which follows on, on, on prayer and asking and confidence, with this foundational truth. As the Hebrew writer says, we must believe God is, 
And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. John is saying, I've written this to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you would know you have eternal life. It's on the basis of this reality that by faith we approach the throne of our Father who is in heaven. And he immediately goes on to speak about what this assurance and confidence of the believer is. This is the confidence we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. So as you look back in your prayers, as you look forward in, in the prayers that you want to pray, will pray. Will this be the conforming part of what John is saying that my petitions will begin more and more to reflect his will? I've pointed this out to you, but it's so powerful. I want to do it again. Turn turn with me, Paul's prayer to the Ephesians. It, it's beyond words to me as I, I read these prayers Every time, there's two in particular in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Now, imagine, and I pointed this out in, 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 to many people, and, and yet, even as I pray, it's how often does my prayers reflect this? So I, I remind us again, because God is teaching us how to pray. This is his will. So this is Paul's prayer. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love to all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He begins with the Father. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, here's his petition, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. He goes on to to list where Christ is. Is this a reflection of how we pray? Then in chapter 3, he continues again. He's, He's caught up in verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father. Again, he comes to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. You might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we ask or think, according to his power that works in us, and to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. To be filled with all the fullness 
of God. That's a petition of Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's his will. Is that our petition? Is that our grasp of what God is doing and working out in the lives of his people and in the church? When we say the Lord's Prayer in which our Lord taught us, our Father which art in heaven, thy will be done, this will. That we pray for one another. We pray for the church throughout the world. How much of our prayer time is spent on needs and petitions? It's necessary to pray them. But I think we're losing also what God's will is when our only focus is on what God needs to change for us to somehow live. Because when our prayers begin to reflect more of what Paul is praying and what our Lord taught us to pray, our prayers become submissive. We begin to understand what his will is and pray more earnestly regarding it with humility and simplicity. And the more we grow in grace, the more we learn the word and will of God, the more we will be prayerful because we are assured, as John says, my petition is heard. And he will answer. We rejoice in a sense John is saying. The answer is already on its way. And then we begin to live as Christ lived. To pray as Christ prayed. And doesn't this become the desire really of each of his children? His burning desire was the will of his father. And isn't the burning desire of a child of God who's living close to him to do what Christ would have us do? Jesus said, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him And isn't that true for the believer? His desire is that Christ always be with us. And we delight to do the things he would have us to do. Take up your cross and follow me. It's a work of his grace when we are able to say no to our plans and our desires and With this petition, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And know that our petitions, whatever they may be, are heard and will be answered. Because we know then we're not praying alone. Actually, we could say there are three who are uttering this petition. We are crying out to God according to his will. And Paul tells us that the Spirit also prays, who makes intercession for us with groans unutterable. He that searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the 
will of God. So when we pray our prayers, the Spirit is turning even those imperfections according to God's will to be what God's will is and presenting them before the throne of God and changing our hearts through the way of suffering at times, through the way of hindrances in prayer and no answers at the present moment to conform us to him, to trust him, to plead his promise with confidence that he hears us and will answer. But it's not only we are uttering petitions and the spirit within us with groans unutterable, but as they come before the throne of God, it is Christ, our mediator, the beloved, who is also making intercession. We read, it is Christ that died, yea, rather risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Never lose sight. Of these others who are intercessing right alongside the spirit within and Christ himself at the father's right hand. But it doesn't mean that prayer is easy. Our fathers have reminded us, Thomas Shepard confessed, there are times he said when I would rather die than pray. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Prayer is hard work. But it's delightful as we commune with God and pray these petitions and he comes to us through his word and by his spirit and knowing when we pray according to his will with this confidence that whatever we ask, We have the petitions we have asked for. He encourages us through this passage to pray this petition. And it's through prayer that God will bring down and we will call down blessing from heaven. Thomas Goodwin put it this way. When we have put up a faithful prayer, God is made our debtor by his own promise. And we are to take notice of his payment and give him acknowledgement of the receipt of it. This is the confidence John is wanting to instill in our hearts this morning. Robert Murray McShane, a man of great godliness and prayer, he said, we have to say, a great deal of my time is spent in getting my heart in tune for prayer. We don't just simply at a whim, we can at a moment, ejaculatory prayers they've been called by our fathers, in a moment just simply have a prayer that goes up to God. But more often than not, we are to prepare our hearts as we come before the face of our Father, knowing His will, And pleading on the basis of his promise. And then we with confidence when we know Christ. With this assurance that the apostle John is giving us. This confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And we know if he hear us. Whatever we ask. We know we have the petition 
we desired of him. So ask. The Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, built many years ago, was very dangerous construction. They didn't have at first the protective nets. Because of that, 23 men who were working on the bridge fell tragically to their death. But during the last part of the construction, a safety net was constructed. It cost $100,000, a very large sum in those days. It was worth it because 10 men fell from the bridge and landed in the safety net and they were saved. But what was more interesting is they did a study. 25% more work was actually accomplished when the workers had the safety net beneath them. And so John in our text is saying to the church of God, I have written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you know you have eternal life and you may have this confidence in Him that you ask anything according to His will. You know that He hears you. Whatever you ask, you know you have the petitions you desire of Him. Come with certainty. Prayer, a child's catechism said, is asking God for things he's promised to give. There are unbelievers here, I suspect, who pray. But what's his will? If you are outside of Christ, you may come pleading for life, salvation. To be found in him. He promises to give. Whoever comes to me. I will in no wise. Cast out. That is his will. Do you come? Knock. He will open. Ask. You will receive. Seek. And you will find. He promised. He will fulfill. Amen. Let us pray. Our great God and Father in heaven, the one to be adored and worshipped, we find ourselves following our own wills so often and not knowing thine. And so help us to be diligent and earnest in seeking to know what thy will is so that we may pray with confidence and assurance that whatever petition we ask according to that will, it, it is coming. It is, it is on its way. It is going to be fulfilled. And even when it is through a way of suffering, Lord, uphold us. and Help us not to be hindered in any way from praying, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, the angels behold thy face. They know thy love. They revel in thy love moment by moment. And Lord, help us to do the same. Teach us to pray. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.